0: I want to start out by just having you imagine something. And this is something that was, this whole concept was stirred in my heart a few weeks back, probably over a month, maybe two months, Jim McCracken sent the letter. And some of you may have remembered, I believe I forwarded it to the entire congregation about some of the concerns he has and what's coming in the next decade or so. And then some of it was really affirmed again at our conference uh, last week. Many things that are taking place, and Pastor Casey and I have had these conversations so many times out in our shed that's our offices. I so want you to just try to imagine this first as we go into the message that you're in a small houseboat, you're anchored offshore of a beautiful island, you went just far enough from the harbor to get around the point so you wouldn't be bothered by anybody just enjoying the time, doing maybe a little fishing, but relaxing, getting away from all the confusion of the world and real life, the waves are gently lapping against the side of the boat, the boat's just gently rocking, it's about as peaceful as you can imagine, everything seems so good, but unbeknownst to you, beneath the water's. The knot that's holding the anchor to the rope that's attached to the boat is slowly working itself loose as the boat continues to rock. Evening comes and it's just so good. You you crawl in your bunk beneath the deck. The gentle rocking of the boat just rocks you to sleep. Not a care in the world. Then you wake up in the morning and you go outside and come up and you look around and there's no land in sight. The knot has come loose and the anchor has been released from the boat. And you're adrift in a current that you didn't even know existed. You can't see land in any direction. You have no idea where you're at. It doesn't take long to use up the small amount of gas that you had in the tank because you weren't supposed to be going anywhere just a little ways away from shore. And no one's looking for you yet because you rented it for over a week. You're totally adrift. Totally adrift. You are totally at the mercy of the winds, the water, the waves, and the currents. And it happened slowly. You weren't even aware of what was taking place. Maybe you were a little careless. Maybe it was just the enjoyment that you were having caused you to not check everything out the way you maybe should have. So you were caught by complete surprise. And now here you are. And it doesn't take long being adrift on, in an ocean. You start to get a little fearful. A day or two passes and you start to get a little hopeless. Despair might set in. What's going to happen next? After a few days, there's a rescue copter overhead. Shortly after that, a rescue boat comes up and they throw you a lifeline. I'm going to ask you a really stupid question. What do you do with the lifeline? Do you take it and tie it to your boat and get secured and anchored once again? Or do you throw it back in the water and say, ah, things will be okay? I think there's some real spiritual correlation we can make to that scenario, that story. I think what's happening in our nation today, the world for that matter, some of you that are younger, you don't remember when I think back 10 or 20 years, a couple decades, what was abnormal then is normal now and encouraged. Things have changed so dramatically. It's almost like it's crept in. And some people have been sounding the alarms, but most of us have been asleep. The title of my message is Are You Anchored Are Are You Adrift? And I could go a couple different directions with this. I, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm talking about each and every one of us necessarily, but I think you'll see some of it maybe applies. And it's not exclusively to the church as a whole, even though I think you'd see much of it applies. We have become adrift in so many ways. We are no longer anchored to the gospel message, to the word of God, we are no longer anchored to the person of Jesus Christ. We've drifted away in so many different ways. And the reality is we can get drifting away so far that it's almost impossible to get back on the right track. Sometimes things can drift so far that there are going to be eternal consequences that we can't really do anything about. So this morning, I want to look at some ways that we could be adrift, and of course, what we need to do about it to make sure that we're anchored. I'm going to start with a scripture that you may wonder, where is he going to go with this? But it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to start, I think, on about verse 50, but I'm only, you only see a couple of the verses on the screen at the end. Chapter 15 is a, an amazing chapter. It's about the resurrection. It starts out talking about the resurrection of Christ. Then it starts talking about the order of the resurrection when Jesus returns. Lots of things you might find really interesting. And then it goes on and talks about, starting in verse 50, this mystery of the resurrection when you and I are going to be transformed, changed completely that's what i want to read starting in verse 50 now i say this brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable behold i tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment at the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed for this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your strength? sting? And then in verse 56 it says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's like it's been building to this point, and then the next verse starts with the word, therefore, because of what's been given to us beforehand, all the evidence early in the chapter about the resurrection of Christ, what's going to happen when Jesus returns, the resurrection that's going to take place. And then this encouragement, this mystery for each one of us that you and I are going to be transformed. There's going to be more immortality now, or this mortal body is going to put on immortality, something that's going to last forever. And he goes through all of this and then he says, therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray as we look into your word this morning, you give me the words to speak that I may share your heart. Father, I pray you give us ears to hear and soft hearts to receive what you have for each one of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. So for the next few minutes, I want us to consider maybe where are we? How well anchored are we? Are we adrift? You can certainly look at it in terms of the church in general, the large church, the church of Christ. Frankly, it's getting hard sometimes to consider all that calls itself the church is even the church anymore. There is so much adrift in what used to be anchored that it's hard to determine. And in our own lives, You know, think about this maybe, and I know we are all in different places now, and fortunately we were all in different places before we accepted Christ and got saved. But think about some of the ways you may have been adrift before you accepted Christ. Um, And if you don't like hearing it, just consider this is my story and not yours. But morally adrift. Morally adrift. Without... Jesus as our Lord and Savior, without the Word of God, how do we truly even determine what is right and wrong? It becomes very, very subjective in many ways in many different areas. And even if we come to a good conclusion as to what is right, and we want to do what is right, where does the power and the commitment come from to do the right thing? If we're not anchored, we're adrift. Consider Peter's words in 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which which were yours in your ignorance. Former lusts in your ignorance. Now, I got to admit, for me personally, there were some things I knew were wrong that I did anyway. And then there were other things that I did and believed and thought that I didn't know were wrong. Those would be those areas of my ignorance. I wasn't saved. I didn't know the Word of God. I had strong opinions on just about anything and everything. Whether they were founded on facts or not, didn't matter. And you know, when we talk about fleshly lusts, or in this case it should be former lusts, We need to understand when we look at this, there are things, there are certain things that our flesh wants so bad that we're willing to sin knowing it's sin to satisfy that flesh. And the desires of the flesh, we're a new creature in Christ, but we're called to crucify the flesh daily. The flesh is dying, and dead, but there's some old things in there that those lustly flesh, those lustly desires, we face them every day. Hopefully we get to grow and mature as we become more anchored in Christ and anchored in the Word. But if we are adrift, all of a sudden it's really easy to give in to some of those things because my flesh likes it. That's the crazy thing about sin. So much of it's pleasurable for a very short time. So we can be morally adrift. Continuing in First Peter, verse 11 of chapter 2. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from these fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. The picture I tried to paint in the story was this kind of calm sea. Well, the calm sea isn't a calm sea for our flesh, What does it say about the fleshly lust here? It says, these fleshly, fleshly lusts war against our soul. It's not smooth sailing. There's a war going on within us. And if we are not anchored, it's easy to go adrift. Think of the areas that we see people compromise, Christian people. Think of areas you and I compromise in to satisfy some sort of fleshly lust. And it can be such a subtle thing, it doesn't even seem like lust. I just want to fit in. I just want to be liked by those people. I'm just going to laugh at that. I'm just going to do this. It can be anything. But it's a war going on in us. And it's a war that we can easily begin to lose when we're adrift. 1 Peter 4, it says, Live the rest of the time in the flesh. In other words, he's going to say, You guys have been living in the flesh long enough. Until you die, okay? Until you die and get this new transformed body. Until then, he's saying these words. Live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient, for you have carried out the desires of the Gentiles having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drunken parties, and abominable idolatries. You know, you could go on. I started to make some a list of examples of all of those different things. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It makes national headlines with professional athletes, movie stars, politicians, just normal people really in a bad place. And these things are just rampant. We're adrift. Too often, the church can easily go adrift as well as the individuals that make up the church. But it says we are called and able to live for the glory of God. He's called us out to live differently. And in the days we're in, And the days that are coming, if we are not anchored, we're in trouble. The church is in trouble. Christians are going to be in trouble. Your families and your children are going to be in trouble. We can talk about the lost generation. We can talk about all the things that are going on. But we need to take our own responsibility for ourselves, and our families, and those we have influence with. To make sure that we're anchored. Because the culture and the world around us, it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us. Who's the prince of this earth? Satan, right? It shouldn't surprise us. But we need to be anchored. Morally adrift. Another way that I think you can relate to and see all around us is emotionally Adrift. Morally and emotionally adrift. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." There is so much emotional instability in the world today. Way too much of it in us as Christians. It's hard to maintain emotional stability if you are not anchored to Jesus Christ in the Word of God. When we get adrift emotionally, how do you manage your emotions if you're not anchored to Christ? How do you do it? Well, we, oh, I'm so strong-willed. Good luck. It, it might help for a while. How do we do it? How do you do, what do you do with your doubts, your questions? What do you do when you're not anchored to anything? You're this double-minded person swaying back and forth between the most recent argument, the most recent advice you've gotten from a well-intentioned friend of Job, something like that. What do you do? If you're not anchored, how do you make decisions that give you peace? Doesn't mean we don't have our emotional issues. Doesn't mean that. But in the midst of whatever's going on, we are anchored to something greater than whatever it is we're going through. And I truly believe it's just beginning. And I say that because I believe that the end is coming. I don't know how soon, but as Christians who if we know the Word of God at all, we know it isn't going to get better before Jesus returns. We're not going to create a heaven on earth that's so good He could hardly wait to come down and enjoy it with us. That isn't going to happen. It's going to get worse and worse. Persecution's going to intensify. There's going to be a day some of the things I might say today could end me up in jail. Very easily. But that's where it's headed. Are we ready? Are we prepared? The third area, and this really makes me concerned, morally adrift, emotionally adrift, but theologically adrift. The theology. The Word of God. Sound doctrine. Cal, what used to be taught and believed is now oftentimes in many places the exact opposite is being taught and believed and encouraged. We're familiar with the Scriptures that said men will be calling evil those things that are good and be calling good those things that were evil. The doctrine is changing. The Scriptures are changing in the eyes of so many people. Three concepts under this category I want to touch on very briefly. And you'll see the Scripture to see where I come up with the first one, halting between two opinions of God Himself. Who is God? Who is God? You might remember the story in First Kings. Um, it's the story of Elijah and Ahab and the prophets of Baal, the 450 of them. But well, before the story gets really crazy and fun, ah- the, Elijah has called the people together. He's called Ahab, told him to go and get 450 of his priests of Baal, called them all together. But in verse 21 of chapter 18 of 1 Kings, it says this, Elijah came near to all the people. He called them together at Mount Carmel. And he says to them, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. The last part of the verse is really troubling. The people didn't say a word. They couldn't even answer the prophet. And I think most of you know the rest of the story. If not, I encourage you to read it. But to make a really fun, long story short, he told them to build an altar for Baal, put all the wood on it, kill an animal, lay it on the altar, And then all 450 of you cry out to your God to come down and burn up the sacrifice. And the story goes on. They started and they went on. And Elijah starts making fun of them somewhere around noon. And they're starting now to whip themselves and beat on themselves and cut themselves and crying out to their gods and nothing happens. And this goes on and on and on until I think Elijah just plain got sick of watching it. And he says, okay. He goes to his and he says, get some water, dump it on. Dump it on again. Dump it on again. Dig a trench around so there's a trench of water around it. And he calls out to God. And God comes down and burns up everything. You know, the people didn't stay focused on the Lord very long after that anyway. They weren't anchored. They weren't anchored. Theologically drifting. What do you believe about God? And I know what people sometimes mean, but this drives me crazy. So put this down. Don't ask Mike this question. Who do you think God is? I don't care who you think God is. I care what the Bible says about who God is. I've gotten hurt so many opinions about who God is, and now they're coming from the seminaries and religious institutions and bishops and who else telling us about the God they evidently serve because they've changed their opinion. It doesn't matter unless we're anchored to the truth, what your opinion is. Thank you. I might kick it further next time. Glad it wasn't the flowers. Really, when we don't have an anchor theologically, we sit around and talk about who we think God is. I don't know Him fully, But I know Him in part for absolute certain because I know what the Bible says. And I'm always amazed that I learn more about Him and more about Him and more about Him. And usually when I do that, you know what I find out? My opinions were very, very wrong and way too small sometimes. We need to be anchored, that theologically drifting, not knowing what's your opinion of who God is. The second concept here is tossed about by religious ideas and doctrines. In Ephesians 4, it says this, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the tickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful seeming scheming. If we're not anchored to the Word of God, if we're not anchored to a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and we're not committed to biblical truths, we are just going to be going back and forth. There is so much crazy teaching out there, and a lot of us are hearing it on social media podcasts, television, and I'm not against any of those things. But you need to be able to compare it to what the Word of God says. So to know what you're hearing is true biblical doctrine or not. And you do not have to be a theologian or have studied the Word for centuries. We have a Holy Spirit that will reveal these truths to us. It will reveal air if we're anchored to it. But if we're adrift... We can be tossed here and there by the waves of every wind of doctrine that comes through. And frankly, we have in the past as a church, as a group, many of us as believers. I have been here and there in my life by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It brings us back to the Word of God. And the third concept there is just being spiritually lukewarm. In Revelation, we're probably familiar with the church of Laodicea. And there's some debate whether this is being written to real believers or not. All I know is he calls it a church. Um, Whichever they were, unbelievers or believers, if they were believers, they're in trouble. They need to get their act together. But he says, because you're not hot or cold, he's going to throw you up. He's going to vomit you out of his mouth. He's going to spew you out of his mouth. You know, this... This idea, you know, he says to him, you know, hey, I I know what you're doing. I know your works. I get all that. I can see, but you're lukewarm. You know, I'll talk to people in my office or otherwise. And, are you a Christian? Yes. Awesome. Me too. Where do you go to church? Um, we're still looking for a church. How long you lived there? Oh, about 40 years. What are you reading in the Bible these days? Well, I've got one. <laughs> That's nice. What are you reading? Well, I'm not. Who are you fellowshipping with as Christians? Well, I really don't have time. You know, I'm in bowling and I'm in golf. And we love to go out to eat. And we love to party and tip up a few and do all these. And it's not time. I don't know what a lukewarm Christian is in God's ideas, but I don't think that sounds like an on-fire Christian. And as the days get tougher and darker, we need to be anchored to the Word of God, anchored to Jesus Christ, and in fellowship, in relationship with other people, other believers. What do you do when you don't have that? Days like I've went through in the last few days. I can't imagine without you guys. It's amazing. Amazing. But so many people don't have that. They don't think they need that. They are adrift. No anchor. You know, the picture that it paints of a church or a person drift. the picture I painted with the story a little bit, The reality is, we're never in the boat alone when we're adrift. Our families are in that boat with us, our friends, coworkers, other family members are in that boat with us and they're watching to see. Do you have an anchor? Are you anchored to something greater than yourself? They're watching. And once again, the, the consequences can be they can be eternal. They can certainly be negative and have a negative effect and impact. So what are we supposed to do? Well, <clears throat> so far it's been really uplifting, amen? <laughs> it should be. You know why? It's the Word of God. It'll continue. It may correct us, but it will encourage us and strengthen us. In 1 Corinthians 15, I want to go back to verse 58 and kind of tie it up with that last verse. We spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time, Pastor Bob, Pastor Casey, we spend a lot of time talking about who we are in Christ. That's huge. We are children of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, surrendered and submitted to the Word of God. That's who we are. That's who we are. But because that's who we are, and if that's who we say we are, that we should have some things that we can say are characteristics of us. And I believe that's what we get to see in that last verse of chapter 15. He says, therefore, because of all of these things, because of all the truths of resurrection, he says, be steadfast and be immovable. One of the, one of the uh, themes that goes throughout the Bible is... The God, the Jesus, God is the rock. Got a whole bunch of scriptures I can read to you. But he's the rock. He's immovable. He's unchangeable. He is stable. He is the rock. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, The rock, his work is perfect, for He will he, all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness. A God without injustice, righteous, upright. And if you go through and you read all those things about who God is, and verse after verse after verse, what refers to him as a rock, it's like, that's who we're anchored to. This is such good news. This is what we're anchored to when the storm comes. And a number of years ago at a conference, the Lord showed me a picture that I believe was for the day then, and I believe it's for the day now because he keeps bringing it back to me. And it was a word that started like this. The storm clouds are gathering. The darkness is all around us. The lightnings and the thunderings are beginning. But, Mike, I'm in the clouds. I'm in the thunder. I am in the lightning. My purposes will come to pass. You stay anchored to me. Stay anchored to him. He is the rock. It isn't about being anchored to a concept or a philosophy. Okay? It's about being anchored to Jesus Christ and his word. There's so many philosophies that sound so good. Matter of fact, there's a lot of philosophies out there that make more sense than the gospel message for the natural mind. We gotta admit, church, it makes, it's a little crazy that I can be this one day and I can be this the next day because of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. It's amazing. But true. Amazing, but true. The verse goes on and says, Paul says, Abandoned in the work of the Lord, all that we do is to bring glory and honor to God. He's the rock. We're to be stable and steadfast so that we are not distracted by all the things that's going on around, around us, and continue to abound in the work of the Lord, bring Him glory. The only way we can do that is if we're anchored to Him, anchored to the Word. And thirdly, finding joy and purpose in the work that we do. Paul said at the end of that verse, you know, whatever we're doing, whatever that work is, and that doesn't mean that it's all pleasing and fun and enjoyable at the time, right? It doesn't say that. Some of what we end up having to do and God loves, calls us to do and walk through is hard work. Hard. And I mean emotionally hard. Hard in every way you can imagine. But if I'm anchored to Him and the Word, none of that really matters. Because what I want to do is glorify Him. Please Him. You know, there's so many things because, you know, today, tomorrow, you and I, our flesh is still going to tempt us. Right? But it's not going to go away. But we need to filter that temptation through Christ. And when we do that, man, it gets a lot easier to realize what's wrong and what's right. What should and shouldn't be done. Our toil was not in vain. I think I'm going to just jump to this concluding Scripture. In Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 17. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with his oath. In other words, his plans are not going to be altered. Whatever's going on out here around us, his purposes are going to come to pass. He's not going to change. And his promises for his church and for his people are going to come to pass. So is says, we got these two things so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope that is set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters in within the veil where Jesus has entered is a forerunner for us. If we stay anchored, we are anchored to hope. That's a certain hope. It's not a wish. It's a certain hope. And we are anchored by the love of Christ. I covered more ground than I probably should have in one message. But I want us to be challenged to realize it's getting darker all around us. Casey and I were having a conversation. It used to be we were just concerned with the culture. Now we're seeing posts and getting mail, emails and things where they're quoting theologians, seminary professors that are so absolutely wrong, ungodly, contrary to Scripture. We are now just fighting the, the, the culture. We're also fighting what we used to think was solid and if we aren't parents grandparents our kids are going to face something that we have never dreamt they would face they already are and if we're not aware and aware and i'm not saying you all have to jump out in the front lines and get political or whatever i don't mean that i mean are they anchored are you getting the anchor in their lives established that's the critical thing Let's pray together as the worship team comes forward to close our service. Father, I pray that as we've, as I've shared these things, Lord, I pray that my heart was right and I pray, God, that anything that I said, if, if it's wrong, God, I pray you would not allow it to take root in anybody's heart or mind. But I, Lord, I pray we would be stirred in our spirit in these days that we're in. We are called to be light in the darkness. We are being called to be salt in a world around us. God, that we would be truly anchored to Jesus Christ and to the Word of God. That it is an anchor that is truly immovable. That our lives depend upon it. The lives of our children and our grandchildren. I pray, Father, you would continue to speak to each one of our hearts in the days weeks ahead. Give us eyes to see what's going on in the spirit realm. Let us see what's taking place. God, I pray that we would see priorities even shifted, God, that, it, that we would be taking care of these children and grandchildren and the generations you've entrusted to us, raising them up, training them up in the admonition of the Lord so that as they grow older, they don't ever wander from it. That's this in Jesus' name. Amen.